So we're continuing this series, which is called Shape, where we're talking about the ways in which God has made each one of us to uniquely be able to make a difference in the world. And we're using this acronym, Shape, Spiritual Gifts, Heart, Abilities, Personality and Experiences to be able to talk about the ways in which God pieces us together. And at the start of the series, we talked about the image of God as the master craftsman and the way that God sees each one of us as someone who is a beautiful masterpiece, a beautiful work of art. And whether that's a painting or a song or a gourmet meal or a piece of wood turning, whatever image is most helpful for you, that's the way that God looks at each and every one of us to be able to say, I see what you can become. I see the beauty that's in you and I see the possibility and the potential of the difference that you can make in the world. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about our spiritual gifts, and so we talked about spiritual gifts being gifts that are given by God for us to be able to use in spiritual situations. So our spiritual gifts are usually used in a church context, context, whether that's as a part of a gathering like this, whether that's a part of a kids' ministry, youth ministry, small group context, uh, whether that's in uh, just praying for someone, coming alongside and supporting someone. Spiritual gifts are usually used in that kind of context. And we talked about how spiritual gifts help us to understand what we do when we serve, the sorts of things that we can get involved in. Last week then we talked about our heart and our passions. And we talked about how our heart is shaped by the things that we love and the things that drive us crazy. That both of those two things give us an indication to be able to understand a little bit about what God's put inside of us, uh, to be able to help us understand why we get involved in the different things that we get involved in. What are the things that motivate us and drive us? And today we're going to talk about our abilities. And so as we begin, I want you to think of someone who you respect or someone that you look up to who has made a huge difference using their talents. And so you might think of someone who's a musician, you might think of someone who's a sports person, you might think of someone who's an artist or an author or a chef, you might think of someone who you just look up to, who you would say, this person using their abilities has made a huge difference. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Gary Ablett Jr., so a couple of week, weekends ago, we had our grand final and uh, it was amazing to hear people talking about this incredible superstar who has had an amazing career and been one of the best footballers who's ever played the game. But every time anyone spoke about him, they talked about what an amazing person that he was. Everybody, regardless, said, yes, he's had an amazing career, but do you know what? He's one of the best people I've ever met. Gary Ablett Jr. is someone who has said very publicly that he follows Jesus and he wears his heart very much on his sleeve. And so he's someone who has used his ability to be able to make a huge difference in people's lives. And it was so amazing to see at the end of the game when he was walking off the field for the very last time to see the guard of honour that got formed by both teams and to find out afterwards that all of the Richmond players took off their premiership medallions and hid them because they wanted that moment just to be about him. And again, that wasn't just because of the career that he'd had, but that's because of the level of respect that they have for him as a person and they wanted to be able to honour him. It's really, really amazing. And so that's what we're going to dig into a little bit today, to talk about what our abilities are. 
And we recognise that our abilities are natural talents that everybody has in all sorts of different contexts that can be used outside of the church, um, but we're going to talk about how can they be applied so that God can use them in any different context whatsoever. So you might think of things like being musical or being sporting, uh, having sporting talent. You might think about being able to use graphic design or artistic things. You might think about being able to fix things. We're thinking about all those natural talents that anyone, regardless of whether they follow Jesus, or not, has these abilities, but what does it look like for us to be able to use them for God's purposes? So to dig into this, we're going to have a look at a parable, which is called the parable of the talents, which is very appropriate for what we're going to look at. And so Jesus used these parables as a way of being able to help us understand more about the kingdom. So parables are these stories that are really great stories on their own, but always have this extra layer of meaning underneath them as you dig into them a little bit more. And Jesus used those stories to help us understand what life is supposed to be like, the way that God created us to live. So when we talk about the kingdom, we're really talking about God's dream for humanity. Anytime we talk about the kingdom or we read about the kingdom, we're saying this is the way that God set things up. When things are running the way that God wants them to run, this is what people can expect to experience. And Jesus used these parables to help us to understand what that looked like. So Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. So here we have this very, very successful business person who has decided it's time for me to have a break and he's going to go away on a holiday. And so he says, as I go away, I'm going to entrust some of my money to some of my employees and get them to look after it while I'm away. Now, that's something that we should automatically tune into to say that's a very interesting idea because I don't know about you, but I've never had any bosses who when they went away on vacation or on holidays said, here's some of my money. Would you look after it for me while I'm away? (laughs) That hasn't happened in my experience. I don't know whether you have or not, but that's really, really intriguing that Jesus would choose to say that's where we're starting things out. To recognise that this boss could have kept all of his money to himself, he could have invested it himself, he could have gone and seen his financial advisor and said, make sure that this money is doing some good work while I'm away. But he wanted his employees to be able to be a part of what he was doing, to give them a sense of ownership and to give them a sense of partnership in the work that he was doing. So we're told that one of his employees gets five bags of silver, one gets two and one gets one. Now, in older translations, the word that's used for bags of silver is this word, talent. And a talent in Jesus' day uh, meant one of two things. So a talent could be this really, really heavy weight that weighed about 35 kilograms. So think about a gigantic stone that weighed 35 kilograms. You would put that on one side of a scale and you would use that to weigh out a talent of gold or a talent of silver. And so you would pile enough gold on there until the scales got even and you had 35 kilograms worth of gold or 35 kilograms of silver. So that's why our translation says a bag of silver to translate that through. There's also an understanding that when uh, talent was also used as an amount of income. So a talent was worth 6,000 denarii and one denarii was a day's wage. So if you were a soldier or if you worked out in the fields, at the end of the day, you would come and you would get your one day's wage, which was called a denarii. And 6,000 denarii made up one talent. Now, if you want to do some really quick maths, just think about 
working every day, but having one day off a week, 6,000 works out to about 20 years worth of income. So it's a pretty sizable amount. So whether we look at it as 35 kilograms of silver or whether we look at it as 20 years worth of wages, it's a significant amount that they're getting given. And that's important because I don't know about you, but when I've heard this parable before, sometimes you can think, oh, the poor guy who got one bag of silver, he must have felt a little bit left out. It's like, here you go, little boy, have your one little coin, you can have some play money, whereas the others get twice as much of that or five times as much as that. But when we stop and understand that even the guy who got one either got 35 kilograms worth of silver or he got 20 years worth of wages, it wasn't an insignificant amount that he got. Yes, the others got more, but he still got entrusted with a whole lot. So it is interesting because the word talent that we use when we talk about our abilities and our talents actually comes from this imagery. One, trend, uh, one uh, what's the word? One dictionary meaning that I found this week of what a talent is said, a weight of responsibility that's given to someone. So that's one way of being able to understand a definition. That's the word that I was looking for. So one definition is a weight of responsibility that's given to someone. So this idea of a talent is this idea that we're entrusted with something, that there is a weight of responsibility that's attached to it, just like the idea of some money that's being given to these guys. So, verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they'd used the money. The servant to whom he'd entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So the master comes back from his extended vacation and uh, the first guy comes along and he says, you gave me five bags, I've doubled that. I've got five extra bags here for you. And so the master is so excited, the boss is so excited about this as you can imagine that he would be. And we have this translation, well done, good and faithful servant, but that's probably not capturing the sense of excitement that he would have had. In its original language, it was probably more like, excellent work, that's awesome, that's fantastic, great job, well done, that's so amazing what you've done. And then he says, because you've been faithful with a small amount, I will entrust you with more responsibility. And this is a key principle as we think about the idea of how the kingdom works. That God wants us to be faithful with what he's given to us. And he wants us to be faithful in that so that we can then be given more responsibility. Now the challenge here is that some of us, and I know I can be guilty of this at times, can just be faithful in order to get what that extra responsibility might be. We choose to say, I'm going to be really faithful with what God's got, but if we're honest with ourselves, our motivation is so that I can get something else which by definition is not being faithful with what you've got. That's looking at something else and saying, I really want that. God's challenge to us is to say, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, I just want you to be faithful and to do the best that you can with what you've been given, regardless of what that looks like. However, the more that we do that, the more that we discover that God often gives us other things as well. Verse 22, the servant who'd received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. 
The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Do those words sound familiar? It's interesting because he actually says exactly the same words to the guy who had five and made an extra five and the guy who had two and made an extra two. He doesn't change any of the words that he says. You might think that he'd be more impressed with the guy who had made it from five to ten than the guy who just went from two to four, but he uses exactly the same words, exactly the same language. And this is a reminder that in God's kingdom, it doesn't matter how much we have. It's not about whether we have more or less or about whether we make more or less. It's simply about what we do with what's been entrusted with us, regardless of how big or small an amount that is. Verse 24, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Now, many of us have heard this parable before, but just stop and think about how ridiculous it is that that's what this guy says, but also the amount of courage that he's got. Imagine going up to your boss and saying, I know that you're a really harsh boss. You're really, really hard to work for, actually. I don't enjoy it at all. You make life really difficult for everyone. I also know that you don't work hard at all, that you make all of your living off of other people who work really, really hard, and frankly, you don't deserve anything that you've got. So I know that that's what you're like, and so frankly, I was more concerned about losing your money than I was about doing anything else with it. So I dug a big hole in my backyard, I buried it, here it is. Sorry, it's a little bit dirty. Just like think about the courage that it takes to say those words to your boss. But that's what this guy ends up saying. It's staggering, really. He's more concerned about what would happen if he lost everything than about what he could do with what he had been given. And this is a great reminder about how much our perceptions of God challenge the way in which we interact with God. That if our perception of God is that God is this really harsh judge who's just waiting to crack down on us if we make any mistakes whatsoever, that God's really, really worried that if we do anything that jeopardises what he's given to us and he's going to come down on us like a tonne of bricks, then we're going to respond with that sense of perception and fear of what God is like. Whereas if we understand that God is this God of generosity, this God of partnership, this God who invites us to be able to be a part of the work that he's doing, that radically changes the way that we perceive what God is asking of us. And it will radically change our response to what we do with the things that God has given to us. Verse 26, the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. And this again is where we can sometimes get those perceptions about God being a really, really angry God because our imagination says, okay, that's how God's going to talk to me if I mess up. He's going to call me wicked and lazy and say, what is wrong with you? In actual fact, the original words that are used here for wicked is more accurately probably mean-spirited. And so the sense that we can have from what the boss is saying here is that's kind of a little bit harsh. And in actual fact, I'm sad that that's your perception of me. You think that I'm this really harsh, awful boss? 
You think that I don't work for any of the things that I've got? You think that I just make all of my money off of other people? That's your perception of what I'm like? That's really mean and awful. How can you possibly think that of me? And it's interesting too, because you would expect that the boss might lash out if this person had lost all of the money that had been given to him, but he's giving back exactly what he'd had. Yes, it might be a little bit dirty, but he's still returning all of it. So it seems like almost a bit of an overreaction. But this helps us to understand that God's passionate about us being able to use the things that we've got. It's not about the fact that he lost anything, it's about the fact that he missed an opportunity to be able to use what had been given to him. And sometimes when we think about how God looks at us, we can be so worried and hung up on making sure that we don't do the wrong things that we forget about focusing on what it means for us to do the right things, to take what God's given to us and to be able to use it fully for his purposes. So what does this all mean for us as we think about this idea and come back to this idea of our shape and as we think particularly about our abilities? Part of the reason that Jesus told this parable is to help us understand that all of us have been given talents, all of us have been given abilities. And it's an interesting idea to just think for a moment about what it looks like for us to understand that our abilities, and we can also think about this with our spiritual gifts, are not actually ours. Would it change the way that we operate if we understood that the things that we've got are not ours, they're on loan to us from God? That just like in this parable, the story is that this obviously was the boss's money and he was going to come back and collect it at some point. What if we understood that our abilities and our gifts were actually things that God lends to us? They're on loan to us, but they're still, at the end of the day, God's. Would that change the way at all that we think about what that looks like? What does it mean for us to recognise that we're invited into partnership with God? That God is also this God of generosity, this God who invites us to participate in the work that he's doing, who doesn't just leave and say, I'm going to take care of that myself, but says, I want you to be a part of the work that I'm doing. I want you to invest in what's going on. As we think about the theme of this series, where we're talking about how we're created to make a difference, what does it look like for us to recognise that our abilities are given to us to be able to make a difference in the world? That God wants us to invest the things that we've got so that we can see change happen around us. What does it mean for us to put them to use, to put them to work? What does it look like for us to multiply the things that God's given us so that they can make a difference? And one of the big challenges for us is to ask ourselves the questions about the question about whether we are burying our talents. Metaphorically, are we taking what God's given to us and digging a big hole and just burying it in our backyard? Are we sometimes so focused on not risking what we've got, on not losing what we've got, that we miss out on looking at the opportunities that God's given us to be able to be involved in the work that he's doing? Are we so worried about what we've got to lose that we miss out on looking at what we've got to gain? The question really comes back to saying, what does it look like for me to take what God's given me and to be able to make the biggest difference possible, to have the biggest impact possible because of these amazing things that God has given into my life? So 
As we start to think about our abilities and how it fits with everything else, and you're going to do an exercise again this week where you'll be able to dig into this, pun intended, a little bit more, to be able to understand a bit more about how your spiritual gifts, your heart, and your abilities start to come through, the hope is that you start to say, okay, there's some themes that are beginning to develop. That as you pair your spiritual gifts and your heart with your abilities, you can start to say, huh, maybe these are the opportunities that God's giving me to be able to invest. So, give you a few examples. Someone who maybe has the spiritual gift of evangelism, so there's someone who just loves to talk to people about Jesus, who also has an amazing heart for worship. They love to create opportunities for people to connect with God through music and through other means, and they have a real ability, a real amazing musical ability. So they're really great at playing the guitar and being able to sing. You bring those things together and someone might say, I believe that God has given me this opportunity to be able to write some songs that help other people to discover who Jesus is and to be able to wrestle with questions around purpose and meaning and what life is all about and what does it look like to experience joy and peace. So they bring those things together and say, how can I use all of this for God's purposes? Someone who might have the gift of leadership and has a real heart for young people. So particularly maybe young people who come from hard backgrounds. So maybe they come from broken homes or they come from places where they don't have a lot. And they have a real ability to be able to work on cars. And so they say, I'm going to use all of that together to be able to say, I'm going to create an opportunity for young people to be able to come and to be able to work on cars and to be able to learn some skills there. But I'm also going to teach them some leadership skills that are going to help them to get back on track or to get on the right track to be able to move forward into what God's got for them. Or a third example, someone who's got the gift of hospitality and someone who's got a real heart for single parents, recognising how hard it is to bring kids up on your own and has a real amazing ability to be able to bake amazing food. And so they bring all of these things together and they say, what would it look like for me to be able to create an opportunity maybe once a month or every couple of months for single parents to be able to come together and to be able to just be spoiled? To be able to have this opportunity where they can eat some amazing food, where they can have a cuppa, where they can have an opportunity to be able to chat and just be encouraged and supported together. How can I bring all of those things together? That's the idea of where we're heading as we continue to dig into this. And so my hope and my prayer for you as we head into this week and you start doing some digging around that is to be able to say, huh, how does this fit with what my spiritual gifts are, what my heart is? And now as I start to understand my abilities, is God starting to open some thoughts up about what this might look like? So the reflection question now for you to be able to do a bit of pondering on before I give you your exercise for this week and we transition across the communion is how am I using my talents? How am I using my talents? So for some of us, it might be just an initial, as I sit here this morning, the first things that come to mind for me as I think about my abilities are these sorts of things. It could be about feeling challenged, about embracing the opportunities that God is given to me. So take a moment to just be able to say, I had never thought about the reality that God is welcoming me into partnership with him, that God wants me to work with him with the things that he's given me. For some of us, it could be about challenging ourselves about how much we are burying our talents and our abilities or our gifts whether we're missing out on opportunities because we're just hiding things away because we're worried about what we might lose rather than what we might gain. 
For some of us, it might be helpful to just have that picture of what it looks like, to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. And not to do that to say, good job, you didn't lose anything, but to be able to say, God is passionate about us being faithful with what he's given us. And when we're faithful with that, regardless of what the results are, God says, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. And he finishes by saying, let's celebrate. Other translations say, come and join in your master's joy or happiness. So I did to say, come and celebrate together the good things that we've been able to do as we work in partnership. So for some of us, it might be about saying, if I put these things into practice, imagine what that will be like to be able to hear God say, great job, that's awesome, that's so fantastic. So I'm going to give you a couple of moments. You can jot some thoughts down. You can talk to the person next to you. But what's top of mind as you think about how you're using your talents, jot some initial thoughts down, then we'll come back and talk about our next steps heading into this week. As we uh, head into this week, we've got some exercises for you to do again, so if I can have my trusty helpers. Aaron, do you want to come and help again? Thank you all. So this is very similar to last week, so just 
some kind of questions for you to process through. And uh, similar to last week, I would encourage you to take some time uh, today or tomorrow or tomorrow night to be able to do some initial thinking around this and then come back to it later in the week and see whether there's some extra thoughts that come to mind. Now, the caveat that I'll put in place this week uh, is similar to last week where we talked about don't limit yourself by just being realistic, which is a big danger. We don't allow ourselves to dream too much. This week, the big challenge is to say don't limit yourself by what other people might think or what you think other people might think. No one else is going to see any of this, so you don't need to worry. Someone else is going to say, you're not that good at that. Like, what are you thinking? (laughs) That's not the point of this exercise. Sometimes we can limit ourselves by saying, well, I'm not really that good at that, or maybe I'm not really that talented in this area. Don't do that. If there's anything that you feel like, yes, there's a sense where I love doing this, I enjoy doing this, I feel like I'm effective when I do this, just jot it down and uh, allow yourself again to be able to dream and open up to what God might say to you. At the end of it then, there's an opportunity to be able to jot down some key themes that might be coming through. So look back at the end of the week over the things that you've written down and see whether there's any themes that start to emerge from that and then keep that aside because as we've been saying at the end of the series, there will then be a summary sheet that you'll be able to put together where you'll be able to put down what your spiritual gifts are, your reflections from last week about your heart and your passions and then this week around your abilities as well. Now if you haven't received some of the other ones from the other weeks because you haven't been around, then come and see me afterwards. Some of them we have emailed out, but we do still have some spare copies of other ones. So if you're missing any of them so far, uh, you can feel free to catch up on them as well. So I'm going to pray and uh, then we'll transition across to communion. Let's pray. God, thanks that you create us to be your masterpieces. It is staggering when we stop and recognise that from the beginning of our lives, you see the potential that's in us and you see the masterpieces that we can become. Thank you that all of that is shaped by so many different things, but by the different ways that looking at the different things we're looking at during this series gives us a sense of clarity about what you have given to us and who you have created us to be. We thank you, Jesus, for your amazing ability to use parables to help us to understand what the kingdom is like, to understand what life is supposed to be like when we experience it the way that we were created to live. We thank you for this parable in particular that really does challenge us about how amazing it is that we've been invited into partnership. That God, you do give us the opportunity to be involved in the work that you're doing and that you give each one of us abilities and talents that you want us to be able to invest so that they can make a multiplied difference in the lives of the people around us. And so we pray that as we head into this week that you would help us to understand a little bit more about the ways that you have shaped our abilities and our talents and the ways in which those things can be used to be able to make a difference for you. We ask that you would challenge us in those moments where we're tempted to bury the things that you've given to us, where for all sorts of different reasons we worry more about what we've got to lose than what we've got to gain. And we pray that you would help us uh, to be able to freely put these things out there and to be able to see the amazing things that you can do as we make ourselves available for the work that you want to do in us and through us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.